This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. All you have to do is dial in toll-free, 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that we have waiting for you there. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts in the business, most of them want to charge you for their website, and we give ours away. So enjoy. You can actually control the content there as well. So the stuff you see on the front page of the site, those items were submitted by listeners like you. Uh, if it weren't for our listener participation, our website would be terrible. Uh, so it's thanks to you for making it great. And you can actually vote on all of the submissions that you see there on the front page. But it's actually most important to vote on the upcoming stories page. That's where the freshest content is. That's where the stuff that has just recently been submitted to the site appears. And then it has to acquire a certain number of votes in order to make it to uh, promote to the front page of the site. So we'll see it more we'll be more likely to see it on the front page. Other listeners more likely to see it as well. Go get interactive. It's all free over at freetalklive.com. Here in the studio tonight it's Ian, Johnny Ray, and Mark. There's a lot in the news. Obvious uh you know the main obvious topic, it's 9/11. Okay, so we can address that. Uh, also Johnny Ray, you're going to tell us about the Chicago teacher strike. We yep. didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about the teacher strike last night and I think this is this is pretty big news. Uh there's there's a lot going on there in Chicago and we'll we'll definitely discuss that. But I guess I upset some people last night uh when I hooted uh to Twitter to Twitter and Facebook. Uh, simultaneously, that 9/11 blah 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 was uh, was my hoot, and it was in response to a 9/11 truther who called in with you know kind of the same old talking points as though it was something fresh uh, that no one had ever heard before in the last decade of us taking calls that were very similar to his. I always feel like the 9/11 truthers are the people that push the the 9/11 anniversary at least on this show more than anyone else. Yeah, um, I was sure. listening to an NPR show on the people who were celebrating the, or you know, whatever they were uh, commemorating the 9/11 event, the families and uh, friends or whatever. And they were having a small vigil, and they were happy that there weren't all these people like there were it was in the 10 year anniversary at the 11 year. Like, it's, you know, it's just people who are really interested here. It's none of the you know the hullabaloo that was going on before. Hmm. So they were to some extent put off by the the 10 year anniversary and were happy that this was the 11 year anniversary and it was just really people involved. Interesting. What I think about these days when uh, 9-11 comes up uh, something that I never thought about at the time, which was Flight 93. And I guess um, a lot of people are saying that Flight 93 was shot down and was not brought down by the passengers. Oh, is that right? I hadn't heard that uh, theory. Yeah. I had, but they all mixed together. Um, and I'm sympathetic to that idea. I haven't done, I've done zero research into it. I think what uh, the evidence most people bring up is the fact that the parts of the plane that are on the ground or the crash sites are very um, widely distributed, you know, not concentrated in one spot like where a whole plane coming down would do. And because would of, it? I mean, is that what engineers say or is that just, you know, your speculation? Uh, it's it's my speculation. My research is zero. Gotcha. Yeah. And this is the thing is, um, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things about the 9-11 story. There's things that, you know, there's the hole in the Pentagon building. That doesn't look big enough for an airplane to go through or not a big giant 747 or whatever to go through. Uh-huh. And the, you're, of course, uh, you know, they've got explanations for that, whatever the explanations are. It's, and then how did the passengers from Flight 93 make telephone calls right. to their loved ones? That's always kind of an interesting one. I mean, if this was made on cell phones, I thought you couldn't make calls. Well, some planes have the phones in the seat. They could, I suppose. Uh-huh. Or you have to swipe a credit card yep. to make a I call. Mean, 
Yeah, my frame of, of mind today, it changes from, from day to day. My frame of mind today is such that I don't think of Americans as being people who will, um, at the risk of their own life, um, fight off attackers and bring a plane down. Nonsense. I, th- I think of Americans as people who keep their heads down and pay their taxes and are I think somewhat that's cowardly. True, but yeah. I mean, you never know what people are going to do in a life or death situation. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I work with volunteer firefighters, and I'm telling you, these are people that absolutely would wrap a jacket around their arm and go after a guy with a with a box cutter. I mean, there you have the you have the visage of evil. Right. You have the other guy who's from another land holding a knife and holding a, uh, a an airplane hostage. I absolutely believe that people would. You know, this is a clear cut case of what you should do. I'll buy that. And. You know, in the same way that the guys, the people in the theater, co- covered, you know, guys covered their girlfriends with their bodies and died doing it. I totally believe they would. I mean, I, yeah, people, I know I would. I can't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really want to rehash uh, the events of nine eleven. That wasn't really my intention. It was just more to to address this, you know, this issue uh, in general. Obviously, today's a day in which people will, some will celebrate, you know, I guess not celebrate, but some will, uh, you know, will mourn and they will engage in, you know, memorial services and things like that. Uh, obviously, the nine eleven truthers are probably out hot and heavy doing their thing. Which, of course, will likely upset people rather than bring them on board with their ideas. Right. Uh, I think that it's PR that they promote the 9-11 victims so much so that it look, doesn't look like they're saying bad things about the victims. Um, but I, and I don't think they necessarily are. I think they just have some theory and they think that the theory matters and I don't feel like it does. Yeah, and I think we pretty much hashed that out last night. But the intention of my, uh, my tweet you know, wasn't to shove aside the victims i mean that's tragic people dying before their time obviously that's always a tragedy in anyone's case uh but you pointed out something mark during the uh before we started the show up and that was about car accidents like there are a lot more people that die in car accidents or died in car accidents in 2001 than there were that died at the 9-11 if 2001 is a magic year there are more people that died in automobile accidents in 2001. Far more people. Ten times as many people. Uh, what, what yeah, according is, to the CDC, in 2005, 45,000 people died in automobile accidents in the U.S. So if there were 3,000 people that died on 9-11, then it's safe to say that ten times as many died in 15. automobile accidents. Yeah. Maybe 15, um, as many died in automobile accidents. So therefore, why aren't people mourning the death of people that died in automobile are, accidents? Are they less this important? Is, yeah. This is shocking to the families. There's no no doubt about be, it. Would you be more sad or less sad if your grandmother had perished in a, a the plane crash versus an automobile accident? Right. I, you know, I mean, this no. is because the deaths were happened in an unusual way. They they have some significance in people's mind, but isn't that really just a smack in the face to people whose uh, families were lost in ordinary shocking ways? You know how many murders were there in uh, in the United States? I mean, who's who's holding vigils for these victims of murders? Mm-hmm. Who's holding vigils for the car automobile accidents? Who's holding vigils for these? these well, it reminds me of the story that you guys did a, a year or so ago about a train wreck where the public service employees were were pulled out of the wreckage and um and and taken away with a lot of pomp and ceremony. Given basically a parade whereas everybody else just got buried. Yeah. So I guess the difference is Nine, that but it's, the difference is 60 million dollars a year for a 911 memorial. What's what how much money are is the taxpayer kicking out for the the automobile accidents memorial? Yeah. 
The difference is also in that uh, the 9-11 deaths are, are wrapped up in the flag of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people dying in their, uh, their cars, not so much. Uh, so it's the idea that somehow these deaths were signifying, you know, the nation coming together because, you know, everybody supposedly came together after 9-11 and that we should always stand united. And there's, you know, all this nationalist rhetoric uh, that surrounds it. And that's why people feel differently about it. It's not to say that those other deaths aren't tragic. It's just that Americans are suckers, a lot of them, for the ideas of nationalism. And uh, I think it's dangerous. I think nationalism is a very dangerous concept that uh, encourages people to separate themselves from, from other people around the world to believe in this American exceptionalism, this ridiculous idea that just because you're, cause you're born here means you're better. You're better than uh, everybody else in the rest of the world. Those other people, they're not even real people in comparison to you. Right. There was a 1989 passenger jet. Uh, it was an Iranian passenger jet that was shot down. Now, this is just civilians shot down by the United States military. I think it was in 1989. It might have been 87 or something like that. Um, where's the memorial here for that? You know, a lot of Americans want uh, the Muslims, Muslim Americans to step forward and denounce this kind of terrorism, stuff like that. Where are the Americans they've done. denouncing this? You don't hear about it anymore. Um, and they have done that. You know, where's the September 11th, 1973s uh, when the United States uh, uh, ordered a uh, backed General Pinochet ordered a strike on the presidential palace where 60,000 were killed? Well, eight five five four fifty free. The SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves here. We're here live. We'll take your calls about anything. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Eight five five four fifty free. Free. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Hey, enjoy all the features that we have there. We give them to you. They're totally free. That's the way a good talk show website should be. So head on over there and grab up archives, for instance. Uh, You can take as many episodes of the show as you like. Download them at your leisure and do what you want with them. Go to freetalklive.com. In fact, if you click on the SoundCloud link on the left-hand side of the page under Listen and Share, then that'll take you to a bunch of archives going back for years. You click the Share button on any one of those archives that you like, that you want to share with your friends, maybe on Facebook or Twitter, Reddit, or many other uh, social networking sites. There's a lot of them out there. You just click that Share button and it makes it easy for you. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of accounts receivable, SACL CAI will do it for you. SACL CAI, they handle our um, – they, they, they do our, they sponsor our phone lines here. The, one of the principals over there, Jason Osborne, is a big supporter of Liberty. And, you know, if you want to help a business that, uh, you know, the, the, the principals believe in Liberty, they're a good business to deal with. SACL CAI, you can see your, their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. Jason Osborne's a fantastic dude. I think he studied economics at George Mason University. Am I right? He's got a doctorate or something, right? I think that he's he's got like a PhD uh, a or, doctor, or something close to it. Yeah, um, right. yeah. It, it's 
It, it may not be like he may not have finished one test. I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't got a, the final story out of him on it. I asked him one time and I, I wasn't left really feeling like I knew what the answer to the question was. Yeah. Maybe it's some kind of special degree I don't entirely understand. I don't know what to say. He's pretty smart when it comes to that whole economics. Yeah, he's got it down. All right, let's go to the phones and your thoughts. Whether you want to talk about 9-11 and all the uh, issues that surround that uh, or not, that's up to you. Let's go to Jeff listening in California. Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Johnny Ray, and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Jeff. Um, Hi. So uh, let's see where I wanted to start with things. I guess um, I should just say I got into a a pretty heated debate with an old alumni friend of mine who's a avowed, quote-unquote, Trotskyite. Is what he calls himself. Trotskyite? All right. And he tends to get very emotional with people, uh, particularly libertarians. I think he has sort of a thing against them. And they're, they're very non-productive. But what he accused me of is never getting anything, you know, libertarians never get anything done and never accomplish any collective action. And of course, I pointed out you guys in New Hampshire and Keene, and he didn't even really listen, but, you know, as, mm. a, as an immediate counterexample. But Gen- generally, though, he's probably right. I and, mean, generally... Uh, like here in California... Uh, I generally say socialists job, do the same thing. Green Party person, you know that my that's a whole other story. Uh, I got two kids, and so I was kind of thinking about ways of being active myself. You know, I'm hoping someday to persuade her to buy some vacation property in New Hampshire, but that's a long way away. So you said your wife is in the Green so, Party? I don't think he can hear I don't us. Know I don't think I he can either. Jeff, can you hear us? Um, Jeff. But uh, yeah, he cannot hear I did us. want to mention a couple of things that it got me going on right away. Him, I did yeah, it. I signed up for <laughs> debate I had with him. Uh, I signed up for the AMP program with you guys. So we that like that. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, yeah. if I believed you could hear me, I would uh, <laughs> say that I really appreciate you signing up for the AMP program. You're pausing now like you can hear us. Can you hear us now? Yeah, sorry about that. I oh, just kind of oh. sort of breathlessly ranted there for a second. No, no, no we, I don't had, think you could hear us. No, Jeff. you had paused a couple times and we tried to talk to you and it you, it was not working. So uh, well, let's go back to what you were saying before. I had asked uh, just to clarify. You said that your wife uh, is on, in the Green Party. She she identifies as a Green. Um, she's she's at least you know the thing I like about her is that you know whereas she's all rah rah about socialized medicine and Obamacare and all that, although she has misgivings about it. She won't vote for Obama because of the war stuff and the indefinite detention stuff and all that. She's very angry about that. So, so, so at least, you know, I have a wife that has some principles, even though I disagree with her, and I, you know, I think they're contradictory in a lot of ways. I think she can if she cares, then you've got some place to go. Uh, there's things that you can talk about. Yes, that's the way I think about it. Very good, Jeff. Um, uh, so what else did you want to share with us tonight? Oh, the only other, the other thing I did to be active. Um, I've, I've been actually uh, on Facebook a lot, probably too much, but I actually got myself hooked up with a bunch of guys who actually run a page called, uh, and I just wanted to say this slowly, sir, but here's it. It's called I Bet Ludwig von Mises. I Bet Ludwig von Mises Can Get More Fans Than John Maynard Keene. I've seen that page. Tell Steve I, don't I said really, hi. I don't really consider that stuff uh, to be activism. I mean, it's cute uh, and it's fun and, you know, that's great. People should do things that are fun. But I don't really yeah. think creating, uh, you know, a cute little thing like that is in any way uh, activism. It's just like rah, rah team uh basically but you know as far as things that you can do that are activists uh, out there in california I'd, I'd love to hear some ideas it seems like it's a lost cause um out there i know a lot of people that have left california and moved to new hampshire really 
you know, aren't looking back. Yeah, uh, this is just what I came up with on the spur of the moment. I mean, I was happy to be signed up as a moderator for the page, and, you know, I certainly get a lot more people reading the things I post for what that's worth. But, um, yeah, um, well, you know, I just had a brief thought. One other thing, and I'll let you, let you guys move on to other people. I actually called, uh, you guys remember, I think, I called and I wasn't able to get through. It was about being stopped at a DUI checkpoint. I don't and, remember uh, what happened last no, night, so uh, don't take it personal. No, no, it was a while ago, and actually I think you and Mark uh, were, were actually on the show. But I, I wasn't able to get through, and you guys did briefly talk about checkpoints. Well, I can tell you one thing. And, checkpoints uh, are, uh, are, are countered here fairly effectively in New Hampshire. I don't know if you've seen the folks out in Manchester actually have a laser that they bring out, and they project on the side of uh, buildings a warning to drivers uh, to give them a heads up uh, that uh, you know, there's a checkpoint ahead. But what were you going to say about it? Well, I ran into one, and I had actually was in the middle of trying to tell you guys a, a story about it. I'd seen a, I, it. It flustered me, distressed me big time, and actually, in retrospect, after I checked out some stuff on Google, I found a YouTube video that basically showed a guy who handled a DUI checkpoint simply by not answering any questions, calmly asking for people's names and badge numbers, and, uh, you know, they asked him the question, you had anything to drink tonight? The guy refused to answer. Yep. I thought it was beautiful because it frustrated the police to no end. I agree. I saw that time. video as well. I would recommend it. I don't know how people can go and find it. Are you it. conducting an investigation, officer? Are you asking me to testify <laughs> against myself? You know, I, mean, what, I loved it. <laughs> Weird yeah, I question. I get a line of, a line of people. I just, I just imagined in my head earlier today, imagining a line of people lining up, prepared to do the exact same thing, finding out when the next checkpoint is, and just getting a line of cars set up. You can absolutely very, do that in big. New Hampshire. You can absolutely yeah. do that. I thank you for the call, Jeff. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE. I know uh, Seth uh, Hippel, who's a, an attorney and also a Free State Project mover, I believe at the last Manchester checkpoint, he drove through it multiple times just to, just to mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it wouldn't be hard. I mean, all you'd have to do is just you know throw the idea out there, and if activists thought it was a good idea, they'd join you in it. Tell me more about this laser. Well, it's uh, green and uh, bright, and you can program it, so you can make it say whatever you want it to, uh, and it just, you know, it's very visible, especially at nighttime. You find a side of a building or someplace to project it onto from a nearby parking lot, and, uh, you know, tell folks to turn away. There's a checkpoint coming up. Police ahead. Awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. 855. I mean, they're kind of expensive, but once you've got it, you can do all kinds of fun stuff with it. 855-450-FREE. You know, maybe... uh, Project something on the outside of a wall near uh, the jail so the prisoners can read a message, that sort of thing. 855-450-3733, or just throw a party and use it for uh, for fun. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. We'll 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-450-FREE. We have the Shrine of Female listeners on our website. If you're a lady listener of the show, well, you qualified to be on the Shrine. Now all you have to do is send in a validated photo or video, and the details on how to do that are over at shrine.freetalklive.com. Or you can just go there and see the Shrine. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number. You can join us on the air. Bring up whatever's on your mind. If you're looking for camping, hunting, survival, shooting gear, you want to get the name brands because, well, you know, they're going to last. You know, it's going to be a quality merchandise. You also want to get the best prices because, well, everybody wants to get the best price. (laughs) And you can do that at ManVentureOutpost.com. Do the comparison shopping. I've already done the legwork. So when I'm I'm confident when I say that ManVentureOutpost.com has the lowest prices that you're going to be able to find generally on knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, everything that the outdoors enthusiasts need. You can go there. They're family-owned. They're members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. You can be have peace of mind that you're going to get the product in a timely fashion from ManVentureOutpost.com. They get it to you very quickly, uh, all the orders that we've ever uh, had from them. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. That's how kind of, kind of the kind of low prices they have. The manufacturers won't let them do it. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. All right. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. Patrick is listening in New Jersey. Patrick, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Johnny, Ray, and Mark. Hey, what's going on? How do you hear me? Pretty good or what? Plenty loud. Go ahead, Patrick. All right. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, some solutions, actually. I-, I changed my mind. I wanted to talk about the news, but, you know, that's kind of whack. I figured, uh, why waste time talking about stuff that people can access? Let's start talking about the solutions. I want to talk about agorism. Hmm. Okay, and that's a, and what is that a solution to? In what is mind? agorism? You know, define it first, and then tell me what it's a solution to. Well, okay, for myself, how I participate in agorism, first of all, it's a solution for me to the state control over uh, my career choice, which uh, happens to be many things. I'm a jack-of-all-trades. I uh, do numerous things. I'm an herbologist, if you know what I'm saying. Gotcha. I sell firewood. I make moonshine. Uh, my wife makes candles and soap. Uh, we also have a little seed company where we grow our own vegetables and collect the seeds. And uh, many, many things, uh, various services that we provide as well to people. And the one thing uh, that we try to do is uh, we try to barter um, opposed to just using um, cash. Now, let me ask you this. Um, so you, you do these, these jobs, and it sounds like jobs that you can do under the table and you don't have to pay government taxes, right? Or you choose, choose not to pay taxes to the government, right? Um, you, could, you could do these jobs over the table if you wanted right. to. Uh, I don't think being the herbologist, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the herbologist and the moonshine maker, that's not something that you can uh, – that's, that's not above yeah. board. You pretty much have to be an agorist for just, that. Just that saying. The purpose of agorism is to take your services out of the – uh, licensed marketplace and put it into the open marketplace without where without asking permission to do your business and, that, and I right. fully support that I think it's great I've been doing it's, it my whole life it's right but you know and I think a lot of people do this a lot yeah. of people have all kinds of interactions with people for money that they don't uh, report to the government but let me ask you this so you say this is your chosen career field did you choose to do these types of jobs so that you could work outside of the system and not be taxed or did you were these your type of jobs that you wanted to do anyway and it has just the, this added benefit 
Uh, well, it, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I, okay. I uh, just so happened to acquire these these uh, skills that I have throughout my life, and I put them to work, you know, opposed to uh, going and doing it for someone else, you know. But uh, what is it so, a solution to? Yeah, yeah. What is what is agorism a solution to? Outside of your own besides, personal finances. Yeah, besides growing, you know, getting some seeds, making some moonshine, and selling some herbs. Right, right. Well, for myself, it you know, it's freedom. It's just true freedom, you know. I mean, it's risky. You know, uh, a statist or average person would would think that what I'm doing is crazy. Um, so, you know, I do have to be wary about who I do business with sometimes. But but, but uh, can agorism be a solution for anything more than your personal well-being, uh, you know, how I you feel? Every, I, think every, I think everyone, everyone can uh, find the way to... You're breaking up a little bit there. You you may have a bad cell. Uh, are you outdoors right now? Or are you inside? Yeah, I'm 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 cruising right now. Okay, man. you're you're a little better. Go ahead with what you're saying. Uh, no, I'm just saying a, a solution for me because you know I I feel 100 percent oppressed by uh, cool man. I fully I, support I, it. Yeah, and I've got I could address that too. I sure. it, I, I see agorism as a possible solution, uh, a fight against fascism. Um, agorists do not have the the kinds of overhead that that fascism um, and fascism is like to me a the public private partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 overhead and the 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 crippling regulatory environment. Um, an agorist can outcompete the fascists. Nope. Sorry. Why you can't? Because Why? you can't get big enough. You can't uh, provide enough service in order to be able to get big enough to out compete uh there are a lot of companies there's a lot of people because out there, the fascists if you get big enough will send in men with guns yeah to they'll, stop they'll you. get you just imagine mowing lawns against a company that pays uh, you know pays its workers and has the licenses and does all the things that it's supposed to do you're just not gonna be able to run your company you're not gonna be able to grow the company large enough to be wealthy and if you do grow it large enough then they're going to find you and they're going to get you but you can out compete them in uh non-monetary ways uh like goodwill and then um and accumulate enough goodwill to um to 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 let those you, politicians go if, suck it if you've done okay so I, I don't know what you mean when you say that you're accumulating goodwill if you accumulate goodwill with your customers you're always going to have an unhappy customer if your customers know you're unlicensed at some point some after nasty um, unhappy customer just because People can be this way. Will turn on you. I, you know, I don't think agorism's fine if you want to do it, and it's great. And I think people do it all the time. Sure. I grow my own vegetables. I do business with gold and silver, and I don't think agorism's a solution to anything. Thanks, uh, Patrick. Uh, any other thoughts? Well, I just wanted to say it's a solution for myself. Everyone yeah, has to you. find a solution for themselves. Yeah, I agree. Well with Patrick. said. Wait, wait a second, Patrick. That was the whole point that I was. Is this trying a cell to phone you're calling me on? Yeah, man. And how many taxes do you pay every month on this cell phone? Uh, it's a prepaid. I don't know. I don't look at the receipt. Do you? Uh, do you you're driving in a car. He didn't say he didn't pay any taxes. I'm just saying there's no such thing as agorism because agorism doesn't. That's you, not you can't true. Even be there's like there's no such thing as anything. Then. Agorism yeah. is working outside of the system, and that's exactly what Patrick that's does. And it best. absolutely no. is. A, he hey, is. And let me tell you something. Business is booming. I'm you're doing working 100 percent outside of the system, right? You do there not are a have lot a of pot dealers out there, and the government still exists. Hang on. Right. I'm doing way better than I ever did. 
working for the man. I'm telling you. I heard you, brother, and I support it, and I thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Look, Mark, it's absolutely agorism what he's doing. Just because you have a cell phone and you pay a tax on the phone doesn't mean you're not an agorist. It's working outside of the system that is the definition of agorism. Now, I agree with you that... People selling pot isn't going to bring down the government. I agree with you that you know cutting uh, somebody's hair without a license isn't going to bring down the government either. And I think you're right that if somebody goes, you know, if if I were to open up a hair salon and not get a license, it wouldn't be long before some uh, you know somebody with a license snitches me out and uh, men with guns show up to threaten me. So I think you're right that there's a certain level at which you can. You, you, there's a glass ceiling, if you will, for uh, for agorism and how big that, that you can get. Now, obviously, if you're doing something that's totally illegal, you can get pretty big because yeah. that's all under the ground and there's a high demand for it. Oh, well, and, but, and there's there's lots of jail cells for you too, which is going to diminish your freedom in the future if if you, you get, get caught. And if you a get lot caught, of people and it do. happens. Right, a it lot of people happen. get caught. I mean, it just because people roll on each other and they, just uh, they snitch. And I just uh, don't and see that. agorism as a solution to anything. He says well, that it's increasing his personal freedom, but we only we don't get to see the timeline of his personal freedom. We get to see well, the personal freedom as it say- exists today. Let me finish my statement. We don't know whether or not tomorrow he's going to go to jail for for selling pot. So we don't know whether tomorrow then you're going to get hit by a bus. It's not going to increase his personal. Wait a minute, freedom. we don't know if tomorrow you're going to get hit by a bus or not. Who cares about tomorrow? You've got to do what's good for you now, and you can plan for the future. But you never know what the unexpected occurrences are going to be anytime, regardless of whatever your uh, vocation is. If he says know. it's good for his freedom, if he says it feels good God for him, him to go out there, how dare you say that it's not? Eight five five four fifty three. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and you can enjoy all the features that we have waiting for you there. The mobile site is one of them. Uh, those of you with smartphones can visit m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. That's m.freetalklive.com to get quick access to our live streams and the podcast and the software that you'll need to listen. So go to m.freetalklive.com. Dot com. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. And Mark. We're having a discussion, uh, thanks to the last caller, about agorism, which is, I think people who use the term might disagree somewhat on the definition of it. Um, One of the problems with agorism. Well, you know, it's a problem with a lot of uh, terms, but... Uh, Shall we have a, a Wikipedia definition You're welcome of to it? pull that up. I think that uh, some people believe that agorism is this revolutionary method of uh, destroying the state through working outside of the system. I wouldn't go that far with my definition. I would say it's just working outside of the system, you know, doing business without governmental permission, because... 
applying the idea that it's somehow going to bring the state down is a uh, is a fantasy notion in my opinion and that's why i have a, a lot of agreement mark with what you have to say about agorism but when you make these blanket statements about how uh, it does nothing or whatever, I, I forget exactly what you said. It was something that I'm effect. not exactly sure either what I said, but I can tell you I'm very grumpy when it comes to the ideas of agorism. Well, I think and, that's because of some of the proponents of agorism. And that's a and, problem, right? Like when you use a term that, uh, you know, that other people use, people are going to apply that term to you. It's one of the reasons you don't like to call yourself a libertarian. That's right. Well, let me, let me, let me, give, a, let me give this definition to, uh, to set us out. Um, from Wikipedia, agorism is the libertarian political philosophy that advocates the goal of the bringing about of a society in which all relations between people are voluntary exchanges by means of counter-economics. It was created by libertarian philosopher Samuel Edward Conkin III in 1975. Um, going on briefly, most agorists consider themselves market anarchists, while some proponents characterize it as a form of left libertarianism. Agorists generally oppose voting for political candidates and political reform. Instead, agorists stress the importance of alternative strategies rather than politics to achieve a free society. Agorists claim that we can achieve a free society more easily and sooner by employing such alternative methods. I hear them uh, talk about this as a general concept, and I was listening to one of them call uh, Voluntary Values uh, this weekend, which is one of the shows on LRN.FM on Sunday, after I had called because one of the hosts, Emberly, had uh, come out against voting. And uh, I had called in to defend the idea of voting. And then after that, somebody who considers themselves uh, an agorist called in and was talking about these alternatives. We, we need to do things with, uh, that are alternatives to voting, like creating community groups and things like that. And I just don't understand how that's going to change anything. Well, can, hold on. Even if you do create a community group, what's that have to do with voting? It, I don't know. It's just something else to do, I guess, uh, so they can but, feel like they're doing something. But you could do that. And, right. Like, and it just doesn't too. affect voting. Right. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. It's it's not an either or situation for me. I, I actually, vol, you know, I give money to local community groups. I don't have the time to start my own. Uh, but by all means, if you want to start a mutual aid society, please do. Uh, if you want to start a road crew that goes around and fixes the potholes in the roads, please do. I don't see people jumping up to do these things. Well, it's because it's financially not feasible. Well, also because people tend to talk more than they actually do, um, but also I, you know, this is it's the- not going to bring the government down. Creating a mutual aid society, creating some sort of food not bombs, creating these uh, these you know community groups isn't going to end the government in the same way that not voting isn't going to end the government either. Right. I mean, I brought up these arguments to Emberly on the air, and she had really didn't have anything to rebut them with. Look, if you stop voting and everybody else stops voting. It won't change things because we've seen what happens when people don't vote. The government guys don't just throw up their hands and say, oh, my God, no one's consenting to the system by voting today. We're just going to have to shut it all down. Damn it. Dear, no, they dear just, God, they don't they don't trust us anymore. Yeah, they just I mean, go on doing what they've always done. And if that your is, solution is to anything in life, if we could just get most of the people, the vast majority of the people to do this, then you don't have a solution. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you, you don't have one. They're not going now, to. The gentleman who called in, what was his name? I don't know. I okay. don't have a list. His, his claim was is that it makes him freer. And I think the strongest... Patrick. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Very the, good. Strong, the strongest argument for whatever um, it is that one might employ in one's life. I, I, I'm i skeptical and grumpy about uh, agorism. I admit it. 
readily. And the reason is, is because agorists uh, purport not voting. And often they mix up things like uh, immorality of voting, which is a pet issue of mine. Um, I don't believe that voting's immoral, and I don't think you can prove voting's immoral. And I'm willing to talk to anybody about it anytime. I'd Aren't love you- to talk to you about that sometime, but I'm not prepared. Aren't you talking with Ben Stone from the Bad Quaker podcast yes, about that? Yes, uh, we, we're, we're going to be working on that. There was, uh, you know, we, we started an interview, had some phone troubles, so we're going to do another one. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about that, but <clears throat> that'll be So that'll be Edgington posted Post. eventually as Edgington Post over That's at correct. our sound, uh, SoundCloud channel. That's correct. And, you know, I, I do as much, if not more, what people might call agorism in my life as any mo- the vast majority of agorists do. You know, we've got a big garden at my house, Ian, you've seen it. I've got at least four be- four beds and then two more sort of undone uh, beds and, you know, then the fields of, uh, of uh, squash and things like that, two pigs. We've got a little farm going and there's no taxes being paid on this food. I'm growing my own food. I do business with people in gold mm-hmm. and silver. I do all kinds of things that would be called agorism and I don't see it as a solution to anything. I just okay, want to do business. Fine. I think of Bitcoin as an agorist enterprise. I would agree. Absolutely. To some extent, is. That's, yeah, to Absolutely. Some extent that is. Sure. It enables agorism as well. The Bitcoin enables uh, more people to do business outside of the system. So it's a, it's a tool for agorism as well as an it enterprise. It might be debatably. Well. And, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to think about that, but it can certainly Look, be used inside agorism. I'm just going to call that a win for me. Just because okay, you don't feel good, Mark, about you know the things that you're doing doesn't mean it's not a, a good feeling for other people who are doing feel, it. Good feeling are awesome. And do that's whatever makes something. you feel good. And if you if you want to do it in a tight little red skirt, do it. And that's <laughs> worth something. To, so you can't shoot down somebody else's experience. And Patrick had a pos- is having a positive experience working outside of the system. He finds it empowering. He's not outside of the system. He's he said w- he's talking on doing... a cell phone that he's paying taxes. Stop on, saying that. I'm talking about working. I'm talking about working he's... outside of the system. He's doing jobs that are not inside the system. He's not working for an employer. He is out there doing his own thing, and he's not paying taxes on the the jobs some... that he's doing. He's not paying some taxes on the jobs on the works he's the work he is doing. He is not paying taxes. He be, he's buying weed and selling it. He's not paying taxes on that. To count the gas, uh, you know, taxes he's paying is you're being ridiculous. You're you know you're you're taking it to a point of extremity. So if he's having a good experience, then you can't down him for that. Okay, so you don't like the term agorist? Fine. I agree with you that it's not going to end the government because the government's not just going to go away because you didn't sign their little uh, licensing form. Then they're not going to go away because you didn't show up and vote today. By the way, it's a primary day here in New Hampshire. I did go and vote, uh, you know, but I, I'm not under any delusion that not voting is going to somehow change things. Right, and voting, voting probably isn't going to change anything, and vote, not voting certainly isn't going to change anything. Right. Well, not voting won't necessarily change something, but you doing something else with your time might no, instead sure. of voting. Like if you just went and found a police officer and pointed at him and gave a giant belly laugh i think that would have had more vote more value than your voting was i had a nice uh, car right i filled up the car full of people so we uh, maximized our gas value to get out there and uh four activists went out and and voted and you know we had the experience of uh you know getting to chat in the car so it was a social event all right um you know i don't i don't feel like it's a waste of time i if i did i wouldn't do it and i think in a lot of cases voting is usually a waste but uh, sometimes, you know, you can actually change something if it's at a local level. And it was one of the other things I'd asked Emberly on uh, her show, Voluntary Values. She was on with Daryl Perry, who is running for a political office, as am I here in the, uh, the Keene, New Hampshire area. 
And I'd asked her, you know, she had made some, you know, silly statement about how uh, there was it was some sort of statement about how voting for people is uh, is immoral. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. Why would that would it be would it be wrong to vote for Daryl? Uh, because the suggestion was that you know voting for politicians is you know giving them the okay to control your life. Right. And I said, well, what if the politician like Daryl is telling you that he's not going to control your life? In fact, what if he's saying he's going to abolish his office, which is the platform on which he's running? He's running saying he's going to you know petition the government to abolish the office. He has no interest in wielding power over people. So why would that be immoral? Why would Because I can understand, yeah, it'd be immoral if you voted for somebody who said they're going to go kill some people or steal some money from folks. Yeah, that'd be immoral. But if you are uh, voting for somebody who's explicitly liberty-oriented and principled, I don't see what's immoral about that. I can't see how it is. Secondarily, um, voting for things like uh, there's resolutions that are on the ballot, things where you know spending, uh, you know, spending, could increase taxes. Yeah, or something. there's all kinds of things. So you know, we want to buy this thing or that thing. You know, give us the go ahead to buy this thing or that thing and rob everybody in town. A they don't have bit an argument it. against it, Mark. It, essentially, what it broke down to with her, what she ended up saying was that she just feels wrong about it. it. It's icky. Yeah. That's the argument. And, that's and if it's icky, that's fine. Yep. Eight five five four fifty three. But it's not immoral. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Hour two's next. You bring up anything you want. Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyandHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free tonight here, as always, and bring up anything you'd like. 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And, of course, you can get interactive over at freetalklive.com, where you can post different things to our website. And then other listeners vote, and you get to vote as well. Vote up, vote down on whatever you like and dislike, and the most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site. So get interactive over at freetalklive.com. Unlike a lot of those talk show hosts out there, our website is free. So enjoy again, freetalklive.com, as we go right back into your phone calls. And then coming up, Johnny Ray will tell us about what's going on in Chicago with the teachers that have been apparently on strike there now. Uh, I'm not sure for how many days, but it's been going on at least, a co- at least a couple days that I've been aware of. And it's a big deal out there. We'll uh, talk about that issue. But, of course, your calls come first. So let's go to Dallas, listening in Texas. Dallas, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, 42-year-old white male is who I am. I'm a uh, union equipment operator. Um, was raised in a mostly conservative household. <clears throat> he and I've never voted, and I never will, 
until I feel like, personally, there's someone in there that might, might actually benefit what I believe to be, you know, the ideal, I suppose, America. Um, but I, I've, I've come to try and figure out if, if, it, if there is a moral dilemma, because by voting for one of these other uh, goons, is how I would put it, in either the right or the left wing, I feel like in some way I'm condoning their actions, even though I agree or excuse me disagree with 99.9% of what they come on television and tell us. Yeah, I am not going to. Yeah, go ahead, Johnny. And even though the, and even though you may have voted the opposite of of how the politicians of the politicians who won, you still feel that culpability. And I'm, and I feel the same thing sort of, that's why I don't vote. I don't feel any culpability for some politician I voted against. Uh And I don't see how somebody can feel some kind of culpability for that. I don't feel any culpability for Vladimir Putin in Russia either. You know, these people, I didn't vote for them. Why in the world should I feel culpability? But I will say that, look, whatever one's tolerance for a politician for voting for politicians is, is their business. If one needs to have a politician that agrees with him on 99% of the issues, fine. I think that that's fine. So you've never found a politician that, uh, you know, has said likable things? Uh, no. no. Well, I mean, no. Not not that I could justify. What is what is your viewpoint, uh, you know, on, on issues in general? Can you summarize um, your uh, philosophy in uh, one or two sentences? Um, I, I, I am all for self-defense. It's the only time that I feel like violence is um, acceptable. Um, uh, I feel like forced taxation is violent. I'm anti-war. Um, I believe that uh, we have been pretty much bamboozled over the past probably four decades. Um, and and we've, you know, most people are suckered right into that television set. They come home, put their feet up, click sure. it on, and they're glued to it. You know, and they shut off the outside world and they fail to go other places and and actually learn about the other news that's out there and the truth behind what is actually going on in other places besides their living you know, i get you man I'm, I'm with you there i just curious i mean how how long you've been paying attention to elections uh, all your adult life uh, you know off and on um but you know I, I i would like to say there's certain things that you know, either the Democrats or the Republicans do to help, but for the most part, it's it's a it's a it's a stumbling block. It's a brick wall. Uh, the reason I'm asking is because uh, I mean, you sound like somebody who would appreciate someone like Harry, uh, Harry Brown, who was the person that really got me into uh, the liberty movement uh, when he was running for the Libertarian Party presidential ticket uh, back in 1996 and 2000. Uh, the guy was principled as they come. He, you know, absolutely believed in, you know, what you were talking about there. You know, his anti-violence, only in self-defense, uh, wanted to abolish the IRS and, you know, really would have – he didn't say anything I disagreed with. He's very anti-war as well. So I was wondering if you were aware, were aware of him at all. No, I've never heard the name, but he sounds like somebody that if he was a local politician, I definitely – I'd probably stand behind somebody like that. So they have to be local? Well, you know, that's where it starts for me. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've written letters to the White House. I've written letters to my congressman. I've written letters to my senators. And we're nothing but 
a fart in a hurricane. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. you might as well and have just done nothing instead. I mean, it would have nothing. been better use of your so, time. My point is, is my local politicians should be my mouthpiece to my congressmen and my senators. So when yeah, I except go it doesn't ever work my, that way. I mean, that's just... Well, uh, it's your, congressman it's is, worth a shot your congressman is... Your congressman is much more interested in representing, you know, the oil industry or whatever other Absolutely. corporate interests. He doesn't care about your local politician any more than he cares about you. I bet if you came up well, with $100,000, he'd pretend to care about you at least. Oh, absolutely. But I can write a check. I, don't, I can't tell you that it, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my local politicians are the only one that I can get FaceTime with. You understand? So sure. You can do that in Texas? Of, oh, absolutely. I just went to a tax hearing yesterday, and, and I was so disappointed. Let me tell you. I live in a county of probably 250,000, a quarter of a million people in this county. They came, and a local newspaper advertised, we're going to have a tax hearing. We invite the public to come and, and express their view. Now, is this a local I'll tax, watch. like the city council or county tax or something? What tax? It's, a, it's, a, it's the county property tax. Okay, so you can get in front of those guys. I'm just curious, can you get in front of, like, state representatives in Texas? Um, only if I go to the Capitol. Right, or and only, only if, if I, it's election only season. Only if I see them at a route. See, right, see exactly. here's one of the things that's uh, different about New Hampshire as compared to a lot of other places. The state reps here, you can call them at home if you want to. Uh, in fact, when you look up their wow. numbers, usually you're getting a home number. If it's if it's listed even as an office, you call it up, their kid will answer the phone, or their husband or wife uh, will pick up the phone. It's a much more uh, personal method of communicating with these uh, with these people up here. And I think there's I think that matters. You know, being able to actually connect with these people. I would agree with that, and I, I don't think that maybe maybe I should research that more, but I've never heard of anybody actually being able to get that kind of, of rapport with someone so far. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, yeah, it's, I was shocked that it was possible up here when I found that out. And things, you know, the political system up here is different. In a lot of places, you know, these guys are completely inaccessible. They've got a bunch of uh, offices and aides and assistants that, you know, gatekeepers that you have to go through to possibly even talk to these folks. And uh, and they get paid, you know, $100,000 a year or whatever. Here in New Hampshire, they get paid $200 per year and they get a small gas stipend uh, to get them up to, uh, to the state capitol. That's it. Now, that and, sounds like a, a reasonable government. Well, I mean, they still if, have if, some if, serious if, problems here oh, in New yeah. Hampshire. Well, I understand <laughs> that, but if we had, if we had to choose, I, you know, I, I, I told them at this tax hearing, look, you've got to, we, <laughs> you've got to live within your means. No, I mean, they don't. No, they'll just raise well, taxes. And every time, and there's yeah. always some little emergency or some little this or some little that. Sure, you know, and and. It doesn't matter what we say as a as a as a whole. Oh. They're going to do what they want. <laughs> they sure are. Dallas uh, sounds like you're. Uh, we're in total agreement. I thank you for the thoughts. And what I'd recommend is that you check out Free State, uh, the Free State Project, if you have not yet done so. Go to freestateproject.org. There's a great little uh, PDF there. I think that is uh, the 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire. If you love the ideas of liberty, there's no other place to be. It's already the freest place in all of the 50 states. And with more liberty-minded people coming in, moving in. We we just had a new mover uh, today, had some lunch with him, uh, who's also a listener of uh, this program. Ralph uh, is here now, and there's new people coming all the time up here who love freedom and are willing to actually do something about it. Whether it's working outside of the system or inside of it, people have their preference. Anything that I think can, you know, can advance liberty, we should do. And the more people we have doing all of those things, the better off we're going to be. And ta- Dallas, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing Thank from you. Thank you, guys. Keep up. We will. 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And you know, when I moved up here, I was pretty frustrated by the political system, too. I mean, I just come from Florida, 
And I was talking about Emberly last hour, who's a newer mover. She just moved up from Florida also. And she and I had some very similar experiences down there. She worked with the LP and, of course, you know, spun her wheels and got nowhere, just as I did. It's just that I've been here for five or six years, and I know how much better the political system is in New Hampshire. You don't have those professional politician types getting jobs as state reps here. They, they're usually people that actually have a real job or a real vocation outside of the, you know, the political system. 855-450-FREE. You know, $100 or $200 a year isn't a real attractor uh, for those professionals. More coming up. Are you a liberty activist or enthusiast looking to meet others like you? Do you want to advance capitalism, peace, and freedom, but aren't sure how? I'm Amanda Mill, Executive Director of Liberty on the Rocks, encouraging supporters of a free society to host Happy Hour. Activism and education doesn't need to be boring, and you can find free market friends. So start a Liberty on the Rocks network near you and begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. Visit www.libertyontherocks.org. You bring up what you want. Toll-free number, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com, and enjoy all the features that uh, we have there for you. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Website features including our CAM, where you can watch, listen, and interact. The uh, CAM is there at cam.freetalklive.com. You can uh, interact via our chat room, and uh, there are other listeners in there waiting to talk to you. Go to cam.freetalklive.com. It's free. Bitcoins are an, a, a currency. They are peer-to-peer and open source. They're an online currency that you can send and receive money. And they're agorist. I, I, they might be. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about this. Uh, you know, this they're is, outside of the system. That's my definition of Johnny Ray agorism. has uh, brought up a point that I have not yet thought about, which is that Bitcoins might be agorism. And if so, then they are probably the most epic effective. They're very effective <laughs> piece of agorism out there. This uh, the 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 Wikipedia bit about agorism specifically says that uh, part of their ideology is against voting. So now I don't know if bitcoins have. It, I think it's just a tool. I mean, it's a currency. Can, you can deal in cash and agorism. You're right. Agorism is a uh, tactic. It is not. If you are an agorist, you are someone who engages in agorism. I don't think that the being against voting has anything to do with the tactic of working outside of the system. I think that whoever, whatever left libertarian, uh, you know, wrote that article is just responsible for putting that in there. I I, I yeah, can see the you. argument on either side of this. Um, you know, I don't I don't know, and I'm going to think working about it. in or out winner working outside of the system is in no way has a bearing on uh, you know voting. Or your opinion about it? Working outside of the you know the government approved licensing system. So fixing a car at my house is agorism. Yep. Okay. Whatever. Yep. I mean, if, if that's a, all it is. It's a it's a short buzzword for working outside of the system, working under the table. That's what people used to call it, right? It's You're doing under the business. Table. Agorism means the marketplace. The agora yeah, the was agora the marketplace. Is the open so you market. have to do business, and you have to do business without government intervention. That's right. And I I contend that for one, you can't do business without government intervention. I may grow my own food, but I still pay pay property taxes on the land that I grow it on. But mm-hmm. you, I can see how one can get more agorist. I mean, that it would be a continuum upon which one can build. I don't know. Does that mean bitcoins? that when you send somebody bitcoins online, that you're not avoiding the system because some government somewhere is collecting a tax on the internet bill that you're I paying? I mean, that's ridiculous. It. I don't think about it because I don't consider agorism to be a solution to anything. 
Look, all it is is – I agree with you. I think it's only a solution for your personal finances and freedom. That's all it is. Somebody but, could claim that me sending bitcoins, that Jesus is helping me do it. I mean, it, I just – I don't think about any of this stuff. All I'm saying is if you're doing business and you're not asking permission, that's agorism. Whether you paid gas to get to the place or not is, an, is not an issue as to whether or not it's agorism. Those are the costs of doing the business. You have to engage in certain things in order to do biz, you know, business. But if you haven't asked permission, then you're engaging in agorism. You've got yourself a definition. I'm glad it works for you. That's my understanding of it. Bitcoins. We use coins.org. Go learn more about the Bitcoins because they absolutely are enabling people to do business outside of the system. Whatever you want to call that. You put whatever buzzword you want on that. Agorism is a short way of, uh, of talking about working in the open market. Because, again, you, you're correct, Mark, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We didn't talk about it in the first discussion about agorism. Uh, agorism is rooted in the word, the Greek word agora. And agora means the open marketplace. So if it's an open market, if it's a free market, then you're not being regulated. So, therefore, anything that you do that is that is avoiding regulation – is part of that. That's all. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free link. Scott is on the line. Bitcoins listen. doesn't necessarily avoid anything. I mean, you could do business with them completely above board if you, you want You could, to. but you aren't being taxed on Bitcoins. And, You're not uh, being taxed on dollars. You're being taxed Bitcoins. on the increase, increase of value. If you, did biz, if you do business completely in, pit, in pork bellies, the government is still going to tax you on the value of no, those pork No, they wouldn't because you'd have the, to report that, that Right, to them. if you choose to report it so to them. So, therefore, you're not doing business inside the system. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to report my Bitcoin transactions to anybody. You're a fool if you do that. And uh, why would you? So let's go back to uh, Scott or to Scott in Wyoming. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? I've been interested in this discussion. I knew Samuel Conkin, and I've read some of his work. And agorism is about more than just working outside the system. It's about more than just uh, dealing in the black market. It's actually a multi-stage revolutionary theory which holds that the government, it has, you know, it contains the seeds of the system that we have now, contains the seeds of its own construction, destruction, and it's going to fall anyway, no matter what we do. Agreed. And There's no empire that's continued on for, uh, you know, for very long. I mean, they, you know, in the... In this the, is the, the longest, isn't it? The span of time. No, that you're no. talking about republics versus empires. Oh, okay. Um, you know, this for is any an span empire, of time. though, right? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, hegemony, and probably most probably accurately. Gonna, you know, it's impossible to say exactly when, but it, it, it seems like it's going to be pretty soon. But anyway... What agorism posits is, is sort of a multi-stage process where as the state begins to collapse, agorists will start uh, putting together alternative institutions to provide the sorts of services that people want from their government. And in the beginning, they have to be mostly underground, mostly black market, but as the government weakens and as it starts to fall and as, as the tax revenues fall off and they can no longer afford the, the police and so on and so forth, you start... Um, building alternative uh, protection services, alternative arbitration services, and alternative uh, aid societies that will essentially replace the services that the state provides. And uh, the point of this is to sort of forestall what usually happens when a, when an empire collapses and then you have a short period of other chaos and then some kind of tyranny rises out of those ashes. Yeah, chaos and it's, deprivation. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of a long game theory that, that doesn't bring about the state's collapse, but tries to come up with a better uh, result after the state does collapse. Yeah, I've read Konkin's, uh, whatever it was that he wrote, treatise on uh, on agorism. It's not quite a, a full book, but it's not a pamphlet either. Yeah, yeah he calls uh, it the manifesto. It's pretty There you close, go, though. the manifesto. I've read that before, and so I know what you're talking about. And I think that uh, where it breaks down is the idea that, so if I'm selling weed without the intention of bringing down the state, it's not agorism? 
Pretty much. I mean, it's silly. It's well, it's it's black market activity, and it it. I guess your your intention isn't as important as the effect of what you're doing. And if the effect of what you're doing is earning income without paying taxes on it, and therefore starving the state of cash, and therefore you're sort of immunitizing the eschaton, as it were. Uh, I, I could see that that's agorism, whether you're really intending it to well, That's or what not. I'm saying. A lot of the people that are advocating what you're saying, this kind of long theory of uh, replacing the state over time through agorist services and things like that, uh, you know, yeah. first of all, it's difficult to communicate that to the average person who says, what's agorism? Yeah, like the average and, drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they, also, the people who, who, a lot of the people who, kind of the, I don't know, doctrinaire ad, uh, agorist, for lack of a better uh, term, purist agorist, uh, these mm-hmm. people who are advocating this would you know would turn their noses up at somebody who's doing black market or gray market activity or outside of the system activity without the intention of bringing down the state oh well you're not a real agorist because you know you don't well, agree with Konkin's treatise uh, or his uh, his manifesto yeah well I think what's more relevant is whether the black market person is is behaving ethically I mean there there's some people that that, that do behave ethically and they provide an honest Product or service for 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 honest pay, and then there's others that engage in various violent violent activities to, you know, to establish a restricted market or whatever, or to kill people for you know. As long as you're willing to give, as long as you're willing to give the person who's just doing business outside of the system the title agorist, I would agree with that. Uh, But to for the person to have to be for the one qualification to be an agorist is that you have to be outside the system and you have to intend to be an agorist. You have to intend to uh, bring down the state. I think that's uh, going to the point of uh, of ridiculousness with it personally. But I thank you for the call, Scott. I appreciate hearing from you. Eight five five four fifty free. That's one eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. Toll free. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Joining you tonight in the studio here, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Mark. Once again, 855-450-FREE. Join us online over at freetalklive.com where you can go and interact with us on the bulletin board system. Interact with other listeners there. bbs.freetalklive.com. It's our web forum. That's BBS. .freetalklive.com, and like everything else on our site, it's free. To the phones, to the fun. Let's talk to Jonathan, listening in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. hey. What's on your mind? Hey. Uh, I just wanted to uh, speak a little bit about agorism. And, uh, uh, I, I heard a caller talk about how it's agorist to sell black market goods, even without intent. Without, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether my, that's true or not. But go ahead. Yeah. So my whole thing is, I believe that even doing that, you're still hurting people because that person sells that marijuana to someone. Correct. They get in trouble through the government, so government still gets a cut of that. I'm sorry. What? How is hurting? How is selling marijuana hurting people? 
because the government arrests people because of government, you know, prohibition. That's not my fault. So they, if I, it's, that's not the the uh, the dealer's fault. Yeah, it's not the dealer's fault. But like, uh, I had a comment about gray market goods of like research chemicals and how there's less cause for like hurting anybody down the line. I don't understand you your point. Like Bitcoin with it. I'm confused at what you're getting at because they are arresting people for research chemicals now. So how is that different? Uh, because they don't do it right. You just have to sell it, not for human consumption. Make sure you use Bitcoin. No, you know, well, okay. Fine. So so basically you're saying that all the people who are selling them at the the corner stores are doing it wrong. Yes. Well, that whole Operation Logjam, they got arrested a day after it became illegal. Are you talking about what happened in Florida? Uh, it happened in a couple of states, actually. It was called Operation Logjam. Are you, are you talking about the federal operation where they teamed up with a bunch of other uh, state government guys? Yeah. What happened was two days before that, the federal government passed a law banning 10 to 15 new synthetic cannabinoids. Like, I think it was two or three days later, Logjam happened. So there was no way that, you know... The yeah, but that's not what happened. What I'm sorry to interrupt. On. That's not what happened in Florida. The story we read from Florida was uh, about a week or two ago. They were raiding the stores, uh, and they were charging the store owners and the store clerks with selling product that was in, uh, in, intended or, or being sold as though it was an illegal drug. So they were not charging them with the uh, the crime, the so-called crime of selling the, uh, you know, whatever the JWH-015. They use an analog act, correct? Yeah. No, 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 no. What yeah, they were, but, no, they were charging them with the, the crime that they would charge you with if you sold me a bag of, uh, of oregano. Uh, oregano and said that it was marijuana. Uh, that would be a criminal act according to this this particular law. Like they're they're really scraping because what they were selling was legal. It was the newer versions, the new analogs that you know they'd created to run around the prohibition. So the products themselves weren't illegal, but they were claiming that uh, them selling it was them trying to imitate uh, marijuana. And so they they and basically they found a. Re- to arrest these people, and they found a reason to uh, to go after them. All I was bringing that up for was to refute your, the idea that you know selling the uh, you know the imitation products is somehow going to avoid uh, arrest. It's also, not, I'm not interested it, in the it imitation. Would avoid more, I would think. I, I, I would have you know if I had the option of between smoking marijuana and smoking uh, you know one of these synthetic things. From what I've read, I'm really not interested in the synthetic things compared to marijuana. I haven't you know I'm, I'm not a marijuana smoker, but. Yeah. I I have thought before I got I used to run a synthetic business a couple of years ago, like before the first ban came in 2010, and they were you know they're not you know very nice chemicals, but you know some people like them, and there's some very good ones that I believe are better than the real thing. Uh huh. Okay. Well, because, very like, good. You know, there's 400, 500 of them. We've only seen 10 to 15 to become popular. Marijuana has been around a long time, uh, thousands of years yes, that people have been smoking it, and it works just fine for them. It's the uh, least harmful drug out there. You know, nobody's died from it. I, I you know, I, I don't see any reason to try to quote unquote improve on it, I other it, than the the illegality. Wouldn't you agree that these synthetics yeah, that's, yeah, only that's exist? What I'm arguing about that whole agorism part. I think that that's a great agorism. You know, like using a Bitcoin currency. You know, where it's all like anonymous between the you know people that supply it. And the people that you know receive it, kind of like with the Silk Road, but using it in a legal manner, because mm-hmm. those head shops were too out in the open, and that would be agorism, correct? 
I think that doing anything that, in my opinion, doing anything outside of the system and, you know, make, you know, doing business outside of the system is agorism. So I think that, you know, what you're advocating is certainly a safer route of selling these, uh, you know, imitation drugs, these analogs, is, you know, doing it quietly, doing it via some sort of an online. I don't like the word imitation, man. That is what they were doing. They were imitating the drugs when they were manufacturing these things. No, not at all. Look, I would give you a good example. You heard of 2CE? I have. Mm -hmm. And like all those, you know, they have a lot of bad side effects, correct? I've never tried them, but uh, yeah, I've I've, I've heard of them. Have you ever like heard experience of the people trying them, I'm saying? I've not, no. I I understand that they are research chemicals, uh, but what about them? Okay, well, anyway, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a newer version that came out three or four years ago by David Nichols. They're sold on little pieces of paper similar to LSD, and they have less side effects. I'm not your guinea pig. Okay. I mean, I get where you're coming yeah, from, I mean, but, yeah, but not, yeah, I mean, what you're I saying that, doesn't but. refute the point that we've, we've shared on the air a news piece that said that the reason that uh, the JWH chemicals, which are the, uh, the apes of cannabis, that these are the, the chemicals that they're using to, they're manu- you know, marketing them yeah, uh, essentially NIDA to replace cannabis. Right. That. So the National Institute of Drug Abuse uh, funded the study that resulted in the creation of these chemicals because they were, you know, they were trying to somehow stop people from using cannabis with some kind of chemical solution but they ended up creating yeah, they ended up creating way. imitation <laughs> cannabis i mean it's not the it's not a plant in that it's uh it's natural or anything like that but the chemical structure is very very similar as you know uh to the thc molecule and so you know it's as close to an exact copy as you can get without it being well, an exact no, copy it's very different than thc i think but the chemical structure is completely different but it has the same effect on your brain because you know JWH-133 is in Alzheimer trials right now, FDA. Okay, so that's not what – that's interesting that because now you're telling me something I hadn't heard before, and that is that the chemical structure is completely different. I had heard that they had a very oh, similar yes, chemical structure and that they just tweak – structure of THC and then go look up a structure of something like JWH-018. One looks like it's made out of a lab, one's from the ground. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, Jonathan. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. I'll take your uh, your word for it. 855-450-FREE. I had heard that they were just tweaking the you know the chemical structure a little bit in order to make it uh, so it's legal. You know, you put a molecule here as opposed to a molecule over there. I don't think your average drug dealer gives a flip. They just want to get high, right? Uh, the customers certainly do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drug I just say dealer. drug dealer, excuse me. Dr- Not all dealers use their product. Yeah. Drug user, I should say. All right, so uh, 855-450-FREE-KEVIN is in Indy. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Kevin. I can only bring this subject up on your show and talk about it in this way. Um, I believe 911 should have never happened from two perspectives. The first being our failed uh, policies with the other, other countries in the world. I believe that's what ultimately brought on 911 and secondly yeah the foreign uh, foreign invasions of other countries absolutely uh, angered people to the point and they're you know the meddling with their uh, elections and meddling with uh, installing dictators and supporting their kings yeah those that those things absolutely angered people to the point where they were willing to strike back okay and then the second was once we know we've done this um, you have to have systems in play i.e. You cannot have terrorists going into the cockpit. That should have never happened. I mean, yes, I'm sorry the plane might have to go down, but and you do not allow airplanes and airspace over New York City. So our government failed us on two fronts, and then we our response was to kill a gnat with an elephant gun, and we're $20 trillion in debt as a result. 
some extent, I think that's true. And I wonder about these. I think that there's probably things that need to be put into play. Um, you know, for instance, uh, the reinforced cockpit door seems like the really, you know, the most obvious thing to do. You know, put those things on a time lock and <laughs> make it so people can't get in, uh, including ter- including hijackers. Well, I think that uh, we don't need the government to do a top-down order on these things. Let the airlines decide how their own security systems should work and let the market figure those things out. If you want to comment further, you're welcome to. Hang on, Kevin. We'll bring you back. 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You take control. Still to come, the Chicago Teachers Strike. Free Talk Live. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. If you like the show and you like the website, you like the fact that we give it away to you, you can support the program by becoming an amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And Mark, by amping the show, are you endorsing everything that we say? No, um, you know, amping the show is is an entirely you know a lot of people think that you know we should amp the show because we like what Free Talk Live is talking about, and generally that's a true statement. Free Talk Live is probably one of the most effective ways of bringing the ideas of liberty to the average person out there who you know is listening to their radio. I think I, I, I can't think of too many ways that one can bring the ideas of liberty to somebody in this sort of push system, where uh, they they weren't necessarily intending to go out and find this information. It's not like it's going, hard to do that. Yeah, it's not like going out on the uh, you know getting out on the, the internet and, uh, and typing in libertarianism. That would be you know you can you can have the greatest article in the world and maybe they'll find it, um, and that would be awesome way to do that. But that's pull marketing, mm-hmm. free talk live push marketing, and it's really cost-effective push marketing, and you don't have to agree with what we agree, what we think on agorism or voting or whatever it is, uh, whatever particular right. issue. Uh, Good luck finding any other national talk radio shows talking about voting, uh, the morality of it, or agorism, or any of the other uh, you know to- topics that we uh, discuss. When I was doing my research for the uh, when I was preparing for the show today, I was looking at Google News and, um, and I thought to myself, you're doing it wrong. This is Free Talk Live. This is an audience that is... Uh, they they know how to get how to get the low hanging fruit. They're well informed. You need to be bringing the stories that Ian and Mark are bring, bringing that um, that they won't be able to get anywhere else. Well, I think that we talk about news that you can get everywhere else. I mean, we were discussing Sometimes. Uh, an AP story recently. Usually, our our sources are major news sources. Um, it's just the perspective you don't get everywhere else. You know, you don't get the liberty perspective on the radio. You just don't. I mean, there is a handful of uh, talk show hosts that like to tout themselves as libertarians, uh, but they wouldn't know a principle if it smacked them in the face. And uh, so, you know, that's the thing. Usually the principles just smack you on the bottom. 
That took me. That took me a second. I get that. Though. Toll free numbers eight five five. See what you did there. Four fifty free. So go to amp.freetalklive.com to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. It makes a big difference for Free Talk Live, and you know the amp dollars over the last couple of years have kind of become stagnant, and I I blame it on the down economy. Uh, it certainly seemed to coincide with uh, with the down economy because you know we're doing things as effectively as we've always done, if not more so, in that we're on over one hundred and ten radio stations now, and uh, the fact that we're on all those stations is a real result of the AMP program. It's the result of the, the, the fact that we're able to market this program to radio stations more effectively with an ad budget uh, to where we can you know effectively reach out to these guys and, and brand the show and go to uh, conventions as we will be doing uh, coming up here in October. We'll be going to yet another one of these radio talk radio conventions where we'll schmooze it up with the talk radio bigwigs and it's you guys who amp the show that make that possible. So thank you to everybody that amps and if you haven't yet amped, please do. Go to amp.freetalklive.com and you'll get perks too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only forum, uh, amp-only podcast, which doesn't have the regular podcast commercials. So go to amp.freetalklive.com, use any major credit card through PayPal, or you can use Visa or MasterCard right on our website at amp.freetalklive.com. All right, so 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Chicago. This is this is big news. I mean, yeah, this, this is this is one of those just to follow up uh, Johnny Ray's statement that uh, we don't talk about the big news. No, we definitely do uh, talk about big news here and there, but a lot of the times the stuff that we'll talk about is not going to be discussed on other shows. But this is definitely a, an issue that is of importance. Uh, it's one that uh, the mainstream media is covering very heavily. And we've yet to comment on it. So, Johnny Ray, you've got the story about what's happening out there. Yeah, um, I've got a story from the New York Times published today. Uh, Chicago. Contract negotiations continued Tuesday between Chicago public school officials and the city's teachers union as 350,000 students stayed out of classes for a second day. Okay, so it has just been going on for two days. Babysitting services have been suspended. And while Chicago (laughs) Board of Education officials have said the two sides are not far apart in their talks, the union said in a news release Tuesday that it had so far agreed to only six of 49 articles contained in the current contract. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, actually, the the title of the story was, In Chicago Strike, Two Sides Differ on How Much They Differ. The Chicago Public... Schools has made proposals to change nearly every article, Stephanie Gadlin, a union spokeswoman, said in a statement. It is not accurate to say both sides are extremely close. This is misinformation on behalf of the board and Mayor Emanuel. We have a considerable way to go. Hmm. In the meantime, Mayor Rahm Emanuel declined to discuss the negotiations on Tuesday but called the strike avoidable. Quote, This was a strike of choice, a bad choice for our children and not necessary, he said at a news conference inside a school on the south side. I like Jason Talley's uh, viewpoint on this. He has been on the show a few times in the past. I saw him post on Facebook a uh, congratulations to the teachers for giving parents the opportunity to seek out other educational options for their kids. So this could be actually a really good choice from that perspective in that, you know, if this strike goes on long enough, and it probably won't go on for for too long, uh, but if it goes on long enough, Eventually, people are going to start looking at other options. They're going to start figuring out, you know, what else can we do to get our kids uh, an education? And maybe they'll discover unschooling or homeschooling or, you know, a more affordable private school or something like that. I would certainly love to, to hear alternatives, and I think that competition brings, breeds innovation, and innovation in education is something that this country needs. Um, I, you know, and I'm generally, you know, support people's right to unionize and get together into groups and, and you know, f- advocate for what they want. 
that. However, I think in this instance, the teachers just don't look good. And I don't know if it's because the media doesn't want to portray Rahm Emanuel. I don't know why, but they, they are getting – it's a pay raise that – they're, they're slated to get here, so it's not about – I mean, they're already when, – when Americans not are enough, losing though, their jobs, right? teachers are getting a pay raise right. in Chicago. Well, when Americans aren't just losing their jobs, but the people that keep their jobs in a lot of cases are asked to take a pay cut. Right. So in our business, uh, there have been companies who have told their employees, look, you can leave – or you can take a 5 to 10% pay cut. Your choice. Jay Leno took a cut to keep people on his right. staff. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. And secondarily, the other complaint that they seem to have, large complaint they seem to have, is sort of this testing. Now, I, I think that the testing that goes on is silly and it doesn't, ta- it doesn't really work for education. Meaning they're opposed to the testing? They're opposed to the, the testing. Teachers, yeah, the teachers yeah. are. But – and, they're, and if, they're opposed to it forming a greater portion of their their pay. And I, I don't think that they're making a good uh, case to the public that this testing stinks. The public just seems like, well, these kid, teachers don't want to be held accountable. I mean, it's just – do, pub, we, do public we know schools are so messed up yeah. that trying to hold teachers accountable creates problems too. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's just a messed up system. I – um. Every summer when I was a kid, I got so excited in the weeks leading up to school because I thought about um, the the different things. I, I so this, you were excited to go to school. I was excited to go to school. Great, it, it's, what a dork! It's, the, it's, it's a terrible thinking, thing to say. Thinking about it now, um, and and these words I'm about to use sound so strange, but I was excited about like how I was going to grow and learn in school. Wow. That had, school beating that out of me, man. I didn't want to go. to I'll school. I'll tell you, if you go to school, how with old that, were you? This was when I was, I'm thinking middle school. Okay. Um, yeah. um, and probably some years of high school. But wow. what I'm getting around to is that um, as soon as school began and I got into it a few weeks, all of that enthusiasm was gone. I see. And, um, and what, I've, what, I've, what I took away from it is that I would have been better off those years that I was in the public school system. Um, I would have been better off in a coal mine. I would have learned more, and I would have grown more as a person. I was at a, uh, a you know a, a party with uh, you know, some some people, and I wouldn't call them necessarily liberty folks that were were talking here. Are we talking about current day? Yeah, this okay. was a few days ago, and there was a young man there that uh, was, goes to public school, and I think he might be in Massachusetts, maybe he's in New Hampshire. He was there with his grandmother, and he was talking. He referred to school. This guy was, you know, maybe he was nine or ten. I don't know. I'm not really good with those ages. I probably will never be good with them. Um, but he referred to school as jail. That wow. was the terminology that he used. He nailed it. Jail. And, you know, the adults didn't want him to use the term jail, but he stuck with it for a while. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, at some point or another, he bowed, he bowed to their will. And this is Why didn't part you stick up for him? of the problem. Because it's not my business. You were uh, at the party. It's part of the problem is, <laughs> is that this is what it's all about is destroying their will. Yeah. You know, like you've destroyed his will to point out that his will's been destroyed. Oh, man, that's sad. I thought so. You said the party was not full of liberty-oriented people. There were quite a few of them, but um, in this particular conversation, yeah, you not. stuck up for that kid. Eight five five four fifty free. Sakel C A I toll free line. I'm not going to tell some grandmother that she's uh, you know saying the wrong things. To well, her actually, ma'am, it is jail. Look at the buses. Look at the designs. Look at everything. I mean, there's so many similarities. We'll come back with more on the uh, the teacher strike. Your thoughts welcome. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. The guards are angry. Free talk. Why did you move to the Shire? 
I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. Immigrating to the Shire was easy. I was instantly plugged into a community of individuals who also care about peace, liberty, and justice and are willing to do something about it. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here. And I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free 855-453. That's one 3733 Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And with you tonight, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Mark. And don't forget the site features. They're completely free, so head over and enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. You get to control the content of the site, submit what you want to it. Different news items are there, blog posts. YouTube videos, whatever you think is interesting, whatever you think our listeners will enjoy. You submit it and then others vote, and you get to vote as well. And the most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site. When you visit freetalklive.com, don't forget to click on Upcoming Stories. That'll give you a list of whatever's fresh that other listeners have submitted within the last, say, 24 or 48 hours. Those are the most important things upon which to vote. And the more votes each one of them receives, the more likely it is to make it to the front page. Go to freetalklive.com. Get interactive. We are talking about the Chicago teachers strike which is happening as we speak uh, it is in its uh, is completed its second day at this point and basically you're sharing a piece from the New York Times Johnny Ray and uh, what they're saying on the the government bureaucrat or the uh, administrative side is saying we're well we're almost hammering this out and the teachers are saying nah we're not even close right exactly so and so they want more money and they want less testing they want um, – union leaders say there continues from the story – pardon me, from And like the dozens story. of other provisions or something, right? Like yeah, yeah. They've got, they've got a sort of a short summary of some of the main sticking points here. Union leaders say there continues to be an array of differences, including benefits, raises based on experience level, the lack of air conditioning in classrooms, and training days for teachers. Teacher evaluations, however, appear to be the most contentious issue – While union leaders say they accept that some portion of teacher evaluations will be tethered to student test scores, they believe that the school's current proposal would push the equation out of balance. So, yeah, they, you know, like we don't. (laughs) <laughs> we think it's okay that you test teachers and you know and attach pay to it. We just don't like the way it's being done. I don't know. I mean, does it does it, it connect with the average person? I don't. I don't know either. But it sucks. Got to suck to be a government school teacher. I mean, yeah. they, a lot of teachers get into but it the because they d- care. Darn nice. A lot of teachers get into it because they care about educating kids. It's true. Some of them are lazy bums and they're awful teachers and they're stuck in there because of the tenure system. And, you know, I don't know how many of them are good teachers versus lazy, useless. Who knows? There's no way uh, to tell. Shills. 
but uh, yeah, you don't know until you're actually a student in the class, and then you get to find out uh, the hard way. And of course, if you try to get one of them removed, it's impossible because it's just a, the rules yeah. are built. So these what kind of tenure? What kind of sense does tenure make for high school and and below when the curriculum is forced upon the teacher? Tenure. I guess makes some sense for professors when professors come up with their, their own curriculum and decide you know what they're going to teach the students. That way, the university can't come down on them for saying something that's unpopular. But when you're talking about teachers, teachers are basically told every word they have to say. I think that's wrong, but that's essentially what the situation is. That may be an exaggeration. It may depend on the district and the, the various different rules they have. But yeah, there is always some level of top-down uh, administration and, and curriculum, especially if the school is accepting federal money, which most all of them do, and there's a lot of controls that come with that federal money. Uh, so you know, it's got to be a frustrating experience to, on one hand, really want to help kids, and yep. you see the government schools as being one of the only viable options just because they're there and there's jobs. And the kids and, that are getting the worst education are there. Right. And and then when you get in there, you know, you want to do your best, but you're in this system and you're hobbled by all these regulations. And, of course, you can't negotiate on your own because you had to join the teachers union uh, in order to, to, you know, to be a part of this. And it's just, you know, you're... You, they kick your legs right out from under you. So I, I'm frustrated for those teachers who are actually good at this, uh, or who want to actually help kids. But then again, they're you know they're working alongside of these scumbags that are just in it for the bennies and just in it so they can have a, a sweet job. Yeah, the, the kind of pay they get. You know, was it seventy eight thousand dollars a year? Does this article say? This is what I'd heard today. Seventy eight thousand dollars a year is uh, what I guess for, what, for what three fourths of a year of work. Right, and this is what I'm going to point out here is that they've got the summers off. A year. Yeah. Yeah, and um, regardless of what they get paid, the the first thing that I think about is that they're being paid with stolen money. Yep. Uh, what this story and the situation in Chicago makes me think of is not um, the is not weighing the merits of the two arguments from the two sides, but that in a free in a free market, um, employers and employees would likely quickly come to a resolution so they get back into business. When's the last time you heard about private school teachers on strike? Well, a lot of people would say... Has uh, anyone ever heard of that? I've never heard of that either. But a lot of people would say that the free market existed at some point in the past and unions have a terrible time getting together and that likely in a free market the people wouldn't like unions. And I, this is the reason I consider myself pro-union in this area. I think that, pe- that people that are working are the monopoly provider of their own labor and they should be able to get together with other people that uh, you know have the same interests as them, put that forth and, and that kind of thing. So I, I'm pro-union in in the sense that sure. I think that people are going to get their best conditions in their work environment when they get together with other people that have similar strength in numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. So I, I'm totally for that uh, at the same time. But when they're negotiating for money that's been stolen, it changes how that right. when when public okay. when you're talking about a public sector union, you're talking about an entirely different be- uh, beast here. Uh, what FDR, the the Great Society guy, he was against public sector unions and he was all for private sector unions. But basically, unions at this point have become in this country public sector unions. Mostly. I mean, the vast, it's 6% of the population mm. that's in working in the private sector is in a union, and it's like 60% of the population in the public sector is in a union. I'd have to check the, uh, the second number, but the first number I'm pretty sure on. So, Johnny Ray, what else do we need to know? Um, because right now there's, what, 300,000 students that uh, are basically 
some of them are what showing up for free lunch or something like that. I heard that they're they're the schools are open uh, only so kids can go and get uh, free breakfast and lunch. I mean, what what are the uh, the three hundred thousand students are doing? They That's taking what I want to school know. buses there to get the food. I don't know. Well, some of them are going to the to the YMCA, and the YMCA is um, is, is uh, hastily ramping up day programs mm-hmm. and bringing in volunteers and stuff to to help out. Some children are going to work with their parents. Hmm. Some of their parents are staying home to take care of their children and um, not being able to go to work and live their life the way they normally do. Doesn't sound too bad. I mean, it's, it sounds well, pretty good. That's pretty rough for parents. Well, for parents, but uh, for the kids, you know, you don't have to go to school. I mean, that's pretty sweet. The kids don't earn money. I don't really care what the kids do. It's not their family unit that's in trouble here. The parents are out earning the money for the family unit. The final part of the story, I think, winds up with um, implications for President Obama because uh, the mayor of Chicago was his former chief of staff, I Mm -hmm. think, Rahm Emanuel. Um, uh, Mr. Obama's from Chicago. Uh, From the story, Mr. Obama on Monday issued no specific reaction to the strike. Jay Carney, the White House press secretary, said his principal concern is for the students and families who are affected by the situation. And we hope that both sides are able to come together to settle this quickly and in the best interest of Chicago's students. Well, if they really cared about the best interest of Chicago's students, they would abolish the government school system entirely and allow the market to decide how to uh, educate people, which would result in a a bevy of choices, uh, differing educational approaches, options, uh, curricula. All of these things would be uh, in a variety of uh, different choices, and thereby the parents would be empowered and the students themselves would be empowered to follow the educational path that they thought was best, which would result in the best education and the most affordable education for everybody. But we know that's not going to happen. I think that I agree with you. Uh, I think that you know, in a free market, you would find education innovation, and in in that innovation, you would find things costing less, not costing more. Because competition it, drives prices. It down. costs less to produce just about everything else out there in the world now mm-hmm. because the competition has been in the marketplace and innovation has been allowed to take place. But it doesn't cost less to to educate children, and. It costs more. It costs more. It just keeps going up all the time. As though kids are somehow more expensive to educate now than they ever were in the past, well, which they, is ludicrous. Now they all have special needs. And so you know, the, <laughs> teachers, the teachers' unions and these special interest groups have figured out ways to drive up the cost of educating children. So I agree with you, but there need to be steps in between what you're saying and what we have today. And I think Not really. I mean, it, it, ideally, that's what's... What's going to happen? What's realistic is there will be steps. But if the governments can't, you know, if they can't come to an agreement, the market's going to spring up with options. Like if, if for some miracle they just can't come to an agreement and they have to shut down the government schools, the market's going to come up with solutions within a week or two. It's going to have solutions. 450 free. one 855 Of course, the government's probably still going to want the same property tax. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love, but make sure you give three bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. 
bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got news updates. You can get signed up. And uh, you can follow us via email. We will give you the latest information about Free Talk Live via that method. And if you want more than just uh, the latest news, you can get uh, more updates throughout the show. For instance, if you're following us on Facebook or Twitter, go to news.freetalklive.com. That's news.freetalklive.com. And we're going to do something here uh, that we, I guess, should have done a while ago. But you have to, you have to bear with us. We're new to this uh, Twitter facebook thing we've been for the last month or so uh ramping up our efforts to be better at uh, doing more of the uh, the facebooking and the and the tweeting and uh, it has been suggested that we do a uh, a little trade deal with you if you are a twitter uh follower uh so if you are following us on twitter we should be following you i guess is the idea so if you tweet at free talk live uh and if you tweet at Free Talk Live, like, I don't know, in the like next 24 hours or something like that, we will follow you back. So the Free Talk Live Twitter account uh, will become one of your fl- followers. Have you done all the people that are at this point in the line? I line? have not done that, no. Okay. So this is the idea is to, to only do people that are actually actively listening you know, to the show. Okay. Right? So uh, if you are a listener of the program and you tweet at Free Talk Live, at least over the next 20, uh, 24 hours, uh, we will follow you back. And you know we'll probably do this every now and then uh, just to kind of get more people on board with, uh, with that. And I guess that's, you know, it's important to do these things for follower purposes or something. <laughs> I'm terrible at explaining this. Twitter's great. <laughs> we've, we've been explained, too, that uh, this is important. So if you if you would like to do that, uh, we'll be following you if you tweet at Free Talk Live. Okay, eight five five four fifty free, uh, or you can just follow us and not tweet anything. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three allows you to take control of the airwaves. There's more to talk about though about the Chicago uh, teachers' strike. In fact, there's a piece over at the Chicago Sun Times about how is this affecting the parents. And I think that's an interesting aspect to look at. But first, let's go to the phones. You can bring up anything you want. Kelvin in Colorado on the amp lines. Hey, Kelvin. Hey, good evening, guys. Hey, what's on your good mind evening. tonight? I've uh, been uh, thinking about the Bitcoins, uh, and I think that uh, the Bitcoins should be scaring the government to death uh, because as, as if people really start adopting it, it's going to just undercut so much of their power that it's going to be unacceptable to them. But I was trying to think of how it is, you know, how it would be that they, they'd be able to take it down or, or uh, they can't it somehow. Well, that's, they that's can take it down, with, but they'd have to make everybody yeah, they, rich in the process. Yeah. Well, what, what I was thinking is how they could do it is, uh, you know, right now there's about, $110 million worth of Bitcoins in existence. If you take, I think there's like 10 million of them right now, and they're worth about $11 a piece at the moment. But 10 uh, to 11 million, yeah, there, uh, okay. of them there are. Yeah, okay. Well, a paltry sum for uh, a scared government anyway. So it seems that the uh, government could go out there and get, uh, you know, a screw with the market by buying a whole bunch of them up and, and sending the, the value uh, sky high, and then selling well, a whole bunch of them and crashing it. So by making the value of the hmm. of the currency so un- extremely unstable that people aren't going to want to adopt it because it's not, you know, it's not stable. 
Well, this is a good oh. objection. I've never heard this one before. They can, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of the the selling option. They can certainly buy and uh, and sell, but I mean, you know, at that point, then you've got the people that want to gamble. <laughs> you know, that you're bringing them on board. Uh, I mean, if you oh, can, if there's if there's hundred dollar valuation changes in uh, Bitcoin in a day. I don't know what that's necessarily going to do. There are a lot of, I mean, the government may be able to bu- be able to buy and sell, but remember, they can only buy and sell what's available. That's true. I think the government will be so late to the party that it will be too expensive for them to manipulate markets the way they want to. They're hard. Way. They can't even understand email. I mean, uh, th- that's probably one of the reasons why they aren't so concerned about Bitcoin is because a lot of these government guys probably can't wrap their heads around it. Well, it's like the most simple economics and market stuff that there is. What evidence do you have, Kelvin, that the government understands economics? Well, that's true, but really this is so fundamental that even the the thickest Keynesian person can can grasp this. This is the same thing that, you know, that the stock market is all, like, regulated and everything to prevent people from, or to try, allegedly, (laughs) to prevent people from being able to go in and manipulate prices and stuff. And here we have this completely free market where, uh, you know, it can be messed with by someone with enough money. With Uh, enough money. So... Yep, and, and it yeah, could and be, but that, I don't know that this is. messing with would necessarily. I don't know what that messing with would do. If you can run bitcoins up to two or three or four hundred dollars a piece inside of a couple of days, doesn't that show the value of them? Uh, yeah, they could come crashing back down to ten bucks right. again, and, it, and then they they slam them back down to two cents a piece, and then uh, leave it there for a while, and then you know just make it so volatile. That people aren't going to want so how to do they sell because how do they sell and create um you know how do they sell and then drive the the price down well they go to the bitcoin market and they sell you know uh four million bitcoins and then that uh, that creates sell orders in the market and the and the as people sell their uh well it drives the price down i Yep, I'm, uh, it sure does. On top of it enough to explain. I don't know if it'll, it'll drive it back down to 11 bucks, though. I mean, if, if they went out and bought a whole bunch of Bitcoins for hundreds of dollars a piece, uh, you know, if you bought them all, I mean, that's exactly what would happen and make a run on the market. And then you try to sell them all. I'm not sure they would even go back down to 11 because at that point, people had the belief that they were going up that high. I mean, yes, markets are driven by fear. There's no doubt about it. And Bitcoin is a completely free market. So fear plays into those things. I'm not sure yeah. what the government could do in that circumstance, even if they tried. But yeah. we don't know oh, be because real. none of us have enough money. <laughs> well, I'd be interested in I'd hearing be. what somebody who's a little bit more on t- on top of this issue would have to say to this objection because it's an interesting one. Uh, my question is how many Bitcoins at any given moment are actually available for sale? I mean, you can go right now to mtgox.com. Do they have that information there? Is yeah. that? I mean, I, you got to know what you're going to be able to buy, right? Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how all that works. Like, you know, whenever I want to get Bitcoins, I just go and get some, but I'm not getting thousands upon thousands of them. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's any way to indicate, you know, how many of them are in the market for sale. I don't know how that, yeah. all that uh, ends up panning out, but I doubt it's any significant percentage of them at any given moment in time. So they would have to buy so, them, I would think, somewhat slowly. As, as they buy, there's a, a selling price and a buying price, price. And as they start to buy them, that drives the price up higher, and that encourages more people to sell them, which, mm-hmm. it, you know, so they get bought, so that drives the price higher still. And it, any 
anyhow, we need to get uh, some an economist uh, and some people that know about finance on here to discuss this. I agree. I it's interesting. Really One thing's for it. certain: they can manipulate but, the market. They manipulate the market. The government governments can manipulate the markets. They manipulate the markets with uh, gold and silver. Um, you know, there's several governments that attempt to hold gold and silver, and um, as do big banks and that sort of thing. At this point, they're not doing such a, such a thing. But yeah, they can manipulate the market. They try to manipulate the market, but they can't stop it forever. Thanks, Calvin, for the call. Interesting theory and thoughts. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your input is welcome on that issue or Chicago teachers or whatever you want to talk about. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Take control of the airwaves here. Toll-free number, 855-453. The show is Free Talk Live, and we're here to take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Tonight with you in the studio, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Mark. Once again, 855-453-FREE. And, of course, you can bring up whatever you want. BitInstant is a company that uh, will allow you to get your Bitcoins. We were just talking about Bitcoins in the last segment. It will allow you to get Bitcoins and get them easily and in a safe manner. So you can go to more than 750,000 locations across the, around the world. You can exchange money for Bitcoins. Your Bitcoins will be in your wallet by the time you get home. If you don't know what Bitcoins are, Bitcoins are a peer-to-peer, open-source, digital currency that allow you to send and receive money without having to pay any fees and have complete control over your own money. And, uh, you know, I... Normally, we don't do this on Free Talk Live, but I had I made a telephone call to an expert in order to uh, you know be able to answer the question from the the last segment. So I'm able to to get him on here, and it's uh, Roger. Roger is with us uh, all the way from overseas, and <clears throat> you're on uh, Free Talk Live. Roger, welcome uh, to the program. Now, Mark, do you want to bring him up to speed real quick on what uh, Kelvin had to say? Yeah. So, Roger, here's a question. I hadn't heard it before in this fashion. I'd heard what happens if the government tries to buy up all the bitcoins so the bitcoins don't don't exist anymore, and that would be a really great thing because it would drive up the price so incredibly high that uh, you know everybody who has bitcoins can then sell them, be rich, and um, go on to the next cryptocurrency, and uh, things will be great. However, what happens if the government tries to buy bitcoins and then sell bitcoins and crash the market and then buy and then sell and make the, uh, the, the market so volatile that people don't want to go anywhere near bitcoins? Yeah, um, that would actually be a really good thing for all the traders that are actively trading with bitcoin. They'd be able to make a lot of money on the price swings. Uh, there's a lot of new platforms that are going to come online soon that will allow people to do uh, advanced trading with bitcoins. You can hold long positions or go short on bitcoins and basically uh, – Right now, the Bitcoin market is still incredibly small. All the Bitcoins in the entire world are only worth around $110 million. And that's maybe the same value as just, you know, one of the buildings here in Tokyo where where I live. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, and the idea that this incredible and this world-changing, how can it only be worth $110 million currently? And uh, Bitcoins are going to have to be worth hundreds of dollars apiece before the, the price kind of starts to smooth out and isn't nearly as volatile. Right now, anybody with even, you know, just a million dollars can really swing the price around quite a bit. But uh, in the future, as Bitcoin grows and uh, each Bitcoin is worth more in terms of dollars, that'll be less and less likely. 
But if the government were to come in and try and you know swing the price around with a bunch of uh, throwing a bunch of money in both directions, buying and selling bitcoins, all the traders would have a field day because they can make a fortune doing that. And uh, if you're worried that the government's going to come in and buy a bunch of bitcoins to begin with, you should make sure you buy your bitcoins first. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, you know, what I, I think that no matter what, after the government's done with its, uh, you know, playing around with bitcoins, that the price will be higher than it is today because they will have brought notoriety to it. Um, it, it seems to me. Yeah, I, I hate to tease a little bit as well, but uh, I've been contacted by some interesting uh, people in the financial world that are interested in uh, making some large uh, investments into the Bitcoin marketplace, and they've been asking me for some guidance about that. And I can't go into too many specific details, but some. Uh, Real interesting major players are really starting to take notice of Bitcoin, and uh, I think we'll see some pretty exciting things in the in the real near future yeah. uh, in regards to Bitcoin. Roger, didn't you make like a bet with the world that uh, Bitcoins were going to outperform gold, and this was like a significant amount of money? Yeah, I, I offered uh, $10,000 that over the course of two years, Bitcoins would outperform gold, silver, the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. stock market by 100 times. And uh, currently, Bitcoins are in first place as far as the amount. They haven't outperformed them by 100 times. There's still about a year left to go on that bet. We'll see what happens in the next year. Uh, Nobody was, as of yet, has been willing to take the other side of that bet. I think part of the reason why they haven't, though, is because of the laws in the United States. The winner of the bet is not allowed to keep the money. The money has to be donated to charity. Hmm. Uh, But that's one of the things that I think Bitcoin will change. It'll allow people to actually have complete control over their own money. And if they want to bet with other people... With bitcoins, they'll be able to do it, and there's nothing anybody will be able to do to stop them from doing that. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Well, I like that. You know, your viewpoint here is that the the fear mongering idea that the government might come in and screw up bitcoin. Oh, I think the government is. It, well, Kelvin said that the gov- that the government should be scared of of bitcoins because, and and I think that. It, that that's a true statement. That at this point, all governments everywhere pretty much create fiat currency, and they do so to the detriment of the people that they're supposed to serve. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think that governments everywhere should fear bitcoins, and it doesn't need to be the United States government. At one hundred and ten million dollars, it could be the government of Pago Pago. Yeah, I wasn't talking about the governments fearing bitcoins. I was talking about the fear mongering idea that the governments are going to come in and screw up the price of bitcoins and, and screw around. I don't know how likely that is to occur, but I like Roger's viewpoint that, well, if that's what you believe is going to happen, then get your Bitcoins now uh, before they get in and start messing with things, if that indeed is what you think is going to occur, because then you could sell them at $400. You buy them now at uh, 11 bucks a pop and uh, sell them for $1,000 a pop or whatever ends up being that uh, the peak when they manage to, if they manage to figure it out and somehow manage to, uh, to uh, you know, pull off this manipulation. Hey, Roger, my name's... Uh, go ahead, Roger. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was gonna, I'm sorry. I was going to say, even if you don't think that the government's going to mess with the Bitcoin price, that's even more reason to go and get your Bitcoins now. Bitcoins are going to either change the entire world as we know it, or Bitcoin version 2.0 that's somehow a, a little bit better than uh, Bitcoins is going to do the same thing. But no matter what, the world is never going to be the same. Uh, uh. I love the sound of that. Um, I have a question for you, and my question is, do you feel that Bitcoins and agorism have anything to do with each other? I I think they're best friends with each other. Anybody who's interested in agorism, uh, Bitcoin is absolutely the perfect tool for them to be able to do business, not just locally, but with anyone anywhere in the world, free from any arbitrary control by a third party. So uh, anybody who's interested in agorism should be as on board as, as imaginable. With Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is the perfect tool for agorists around the world to start using. Is Bitcoin itself uh, an agoristic, an agor, uh, an agorism? 
an agoristic can, enterprise. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you can say that. There's, there's nobody that's in control of it as a whole. So, uh, yeah, I would have to give that some more thought, but that's, that sounds like an accurate statement. To me. I, I think so. Now, you mentioned, Roger, that uh, Bitcoin 2.0 could come out and, uh, and beat Bitcoin. And there are a couple of, uh, a handful of uh, cryptocurrencies that are out there attempting to compete, but they're just not even coming close. But that the suggestion there, is, and I don't think you intended it, but it made it, people might have uh, heard it as though, oh, well, Bitcoin has to stay the way it is today. But that's not true. Bitcoin is open source and it can be modified. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, new versions of Bitcoin can can be rolled out, right? Like under that, the current right. system. Yeah, that, that's right. Bitcoin can can modify and adapt in, in certain areas. And then uh, sometimes it's just better to be, be- uh, first rather than best. So even if something a little bit better comes along, yeah. maybe Bitcoin's good enough and it'll already have critical you know, market share to where yeah, it'll the new, new, the new uh, cryptocurrency won't be able to displace Bitcoin. Indeed, really. What is the difference between the U.S. dollar and uh, the you know, Mexican peso? You know, I mean, it's they're just fiat currencies, and something has to rise to the the top, and it's not like uh, you know one is significantly better or whatever. So I would agree that in some cases it's just better to be first rather than um, to be best. Do you have have you ever thought to yourself, well, what is a Bitcoin really going to be worth in the future? Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting statistics floating around. Uh... On, on the internet, I think uh, thousands of dollars a piece is definitely well within the realm of possibility, and uh, even tens of thousands of dollars a piece is, is something that's definitely possible as so, well. So, if uh, if bitcoins are worth tens of thousand dollars a piece, and you want to buy a candy bar, you're going to be spending point zero 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 one. That's to kind get of a, annoying, right? To get a candy bar. Yeah, but they can update the client and software, so maybe the default currency within the Bitcoin wallet software that people will be using at that point. We'll be sending, you know, a, a micro Bitcoin, and yep. you'll just measure everything in micro Bitcoins rather than zero point zero 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 one Bitcoin. Yeah, what are the the names for the different decimal places? Because there's like a decibit, there's a centibit. Is it a is it a millibit? And what's the you know what are the do you know do they have names for each one of the the decimal places for Bitcoins? Certainly they do. That are willing to argue about what the net different names should be all day long on the Bitcoin forums. Over I see. At Bitcoin. <laughs> But uh, I don't think that'll really be settled until those values are actually something that are being used in day-to-day transactions. Awesome. Roger, thanks for taking part of your morning uh, to talk with us here (laughs) over in Tokyo. Appreciate it. Hopefully we didn't wake you up. Uh, Thanks for the call tonight, sir. Appreciate it, man. Uh, By the way, uh, 855-450-FREE is the number here. You can take control of the airwaves in the remaining moments that are imminent here, whether you want to talk about Bitcoin or the educational uh, teachers strike in Chicago. There's more to come. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. Toll free number here, 855-453. We'll take your calls about anything you want, even in the remaining moments here. Enough time for you if you call now to one 855 free Tonight with you, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Mark. All right. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features that are waiting for you there. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, go to Promote. 
www.freetalklive.com. You can learn there how to get a free bumper sticker for Free Talk Live, as well as downloadable graphics and flyers. You can print out, post wherever you want, and uh, get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Once again, go to promote.freetalklive.com. As we continue the discussion, I think another important issue here is this the teacher strike, which we talked about at the beginning of this hour. Uh, it's big news in Chicago, and it was, you know, it's also big news, I think, nationwide, because this is huge. I mean, Chicago's, what, the number three market, I think? Yes. And it's a pretty big place. Uh, Chicagoland's huge. A lot of teachers involved in this strike. 300,000 students are not able to attend class as a result, and because of that, a lot of parents are trying to figure out what the hell to do, because they're used to having their kids leave all day while they go to work or do whatever they need to get done. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, the message from parents on Tuesday is to think of the children, to the teachers in the union and the public schools, as they and others struggled to make do with uh, with the half-day strike contingency programs that CPS, the Chicago Public Schools, is operating at 147 sites. Uh, Mother of Sharon and Terrence, uh, Keila Denard, said... I'm just so angry. This isn't what they're doing to us. This isn't right what they're doing to us. How do you go to work when your children have nowhere to go? Single parent works at a beauty salon and goes to school at night. She says, I couldn't go to work yesterday. I had to call off. Every day is a struggle just to find someone to keep them. CPS is ridiculous, she said. She said they need to pay these teachers and give them what they need so the kids can go back to school. I feel like we give more respect to everybody else, professional athletes, for example, than we do our teachers, and these are the people laying the foundation for our children, our future, she said. This is not an uncommon viewpoint, the idea that uh, it's not fair that athletes and those sorts of people, Hollywood stars, are making so much money, but the teachers, the poor teachers, are toiling away without any recognition and without uh, anywhere near the salary. What do you have to say to that? Well, I I don't know what teachers would make in a free market. Maybe they'd make more than what they make, and maybe they'd make less. Maybe there would be fewer teachers, and maybe there would be more. Chances are good if there were more, there would be make less, and if there were fewer, that they would make more. A guy like Khan from the Khan Academy is probably doing pretty well for himself, um, and you know he's shown himself in the last five years to probably be the most preeminent teacher in the world. And he's operating essentially in a free market, and that's on the internet. Now, at the same time, um, you know, I basically think that a free market would reward the really good teachers, and you know, all the bad teachers would be kicked out to yep. do what they're meant to do. Let me tell a story real quick, because it this might seem like a a story full of pride and hubris, but at this, it, I hope that it shows something. Uh, at one time in my life, I had to work as a dishwasher at a, a restaurant in Bartow, Florida. I was in the the work release program coming out of prison, and I had to have this job. So I ended up, or a job, and so I ended up as the dishwasher. I you know, applied in some places, and that's what they gave me. And what I found was is I was the worst dishwasher this place had ever had. Mm. The only advantage that I had was... I would show up to work, but I was slow. Um, I, you know, <laughs> broke dishes. I, you know, did things poorly. I had to stay late. Just, I mean, you know, I was bad at this. My skin peeled. I was just bad at it. I was poorly, wow. uh, poorly. Des- you know, other people could handle it fine, but it's I just hard to suck at dishwashing. Yeah, right. But I did. I was just <laughs> bad at it. I'm not a very organized person, I guess, mm. and I think that's pretty clear. And 
so, you know, I moved on and I did things and, you know, at some point or another, I found something that I was good at. If I had stayed in the job and been paid, well, you know, the dishwashers of America need to be paid really, really well. And I stuck with it because the pay was so good and maybe it wasn't the thing that I was meant to do, then... You know, I I wouldn't have gone on to find what I was meant to do, which I yeah. believe was radio sales. Frankly, I you know, I mean, I ended up on the show with you, and I hope that I'm doing a fine job with that. Ten years later, but you know, this was my first career in radio was was sales, and I'm and I love it. I'm yeah, I'm so glad that you said that, Mark, um, because uh, schools, education, teaching it's a it's a certain thing that people want. It's no more no more or less valuable necessarily than any other service that people provide. When I go to the grocery store, I don't ever have to think about whether or not what the clerk is being paid is morally justified. Um, I go in, and if the price is right, I buy it. If the price is too high, then I go somewhere else. Well, and similarly, the clerk goes in and accepts the job or not. It's the clerk's decision whether or not the money is worth his time. Exactly. That's why you don't have to think about it, because he's already thought about it. That's right. So, uh, you know, they'll have the bumper stickers out there. If you can read this, thank a teacher. Well, if you're not up to your armpits in poop, thank a plumber. I mean, you know, so, I mean, everybody provides something to your life that is worthy I mean, there's not a job out there that's right. more worthy than another but job. But they claim it is more worthy because it's the children. It's for the children. Look, I, I, <laughs> I understand the children are our future. The children need to live in places that don't have uh, feces all over the place. So, you know, the plumbers are doing that job, too. The, the children need heat. So the people are providing energy to heat their houses. You know, the people. What about the janitors? I mean, Johnny Ray uh, does some uh, some cleaning work, and that's really important. You want to have a clean absolutely. place for your kids to run around in. Right? Public school janitors clean up in a monetary sense. They make a uh, Two or three times what you can make wow. um, in the private sector. Right. And this is. I this wonder is if they're striking. Why I say that any work inside the, mar- the free market is honorable work, and any, any, mar- any work that's inside the government system has the potential for being honorable work. It's not dishonorable to do these things, uh, you know, work for the government. I, I work, you know, to, in some capacity for the, the town I live in as a firefighter. Average salary, by the way, uh, for teachers, according to our board operator who linked me to some information, uh, average salary for teachers in Illinois is sixty-four thousand dollars. I thought it was seventy-eight thousand for Chicago. Chicago, maybe even more. But I mean, sixty-four grand ain't too shabby as far as what yeah. it's the. I mean, the average American isn't making that much money, right? Yeah, I mean, if I was, you know, <laughs> if I was living in, you know, just sort of rural Illinois, making sixty-eight thousand dollars a year, you're doing pretty good. Rural Illinois isn't any really much different than rural anyplace else. So, uh, so they are doing fairly well for themselves, and for all the the folks who, on one hand, say, "Well, you know, pay the teachers more," are they willing to pay more in taxes? Because ultimately, that's well, yes, one they of are. the ways you can pay this is the more. Mar- this is the marginal issue when it comes to taxes. Is, is if I if I think we should build a giant monument to God, um, and I think every American should put a dollar into it, and then we'll have three hundred million dollars to because the three hundred million Americans three hundred million dollars to build the giant monument to God. Mm. Some people will think this is a bad idea or whatever, and but everybody just gives up a buck. So I just have to give up a buck to get my three hundred million dollar statue. So yes. I think we should all, everybody should have to pay $1 to build the giant monument to God. 
Ultimately, though, one of the ways you could change the system as it stands to give teachers more money is to cut back on the bureaucracy, which, of course, they're not going to do because the administrators are very, uh, you, know, you know, just as the teachers are, they're very settled in their roles. And even though there's usually layers and layers of administration over top of these teachers, and typically the administrators are getting paid more uh, than the teachers are. You know, if the teachers are making 78, the administrators are probably making 100 or 120 or something yeah, sure, like that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, you know, you cut, those, <laughs> you cut those administrators out of the picture and you could probably send some more of that money to the teachers. So there probably would be a way to squeeze extra money out of the existing government bureaucratic system to give more money to these teachers, but everybody's so entrenched, it's just not going to happen like that. The people who end up getting uh, screwed are going to be you know, the, the taxpayers in and this it, deal. And, and, and uh, to remind the listeners what we uh, mentioned earlier in the show, these high $68,000, $70,000 salaries are for not a full year's worth of work. That's right, nine months. As nine. Wayne, Wayne, who's sitting here in the studio with us, pointed out to me just now on That's a post-it. Right. So there's uh, there's that, and then there's the fact that they're really only working eight-hour, you know, eight- or nine-hour days. They're not the longest of days. Some people work 12, 14-hour days. These guys are not doing that. And uh, it certainly isn't backbreaking labor either. So it's not like they're uh, out slinging bricks or doing some other, you know, manual labor where they're actually really working in a significant uh, exertion uh, fashion. I, you know, I, it's it's hard to feel sorry for the teachers. They uh, they they're doing very well. I mean, that's those are good paychecks. I, I'm sorry. I'm not saying they should get lower paychecks. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I don't know what p- teachers should get paid. Teachers should be entering into uh, contractual relationships with people that want their business. That's what they should be doing. And that way we'll find out what they're worth. I mean, there are a lot of people that make a lot of money out there by get, entering into these relationships. And I think that the ones that are good will do far better. And the ones that are bad will move on to doing something that they're far better at. Yeah, teachers are living. They're not living in the um, in the hard world of numbers and figures that the rest of us are. They're living in a world of rhetoric and high ideals. And some such. of that rhetoric is that competition is bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've heard that many times coming out of sort of maybe it's just a few teachers. I don't know, but I mean, I've heard it several times coming out of like teachers unions and stuff. All right, we're out of time for tonight. We'll join you tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. It's Change Your Words, Change Your Life, a daily minute program to help you understand the power of every word you speak. Here's New York Times bestselling author, Joyce Meyer. We are responsible to cooperate with the Holy Spirit toward positive change in our lives. So let's be determined to eliminate the mixture that comes out of our mouth. We can't do it by ourselves. The Bible says no man can tame the tongue, but with God's help, we can do anything he asks us to do. So many people go to church and sing songs of praise to God and then go to lunch and slander the very people they sat with in church. I lean and rely on God every day to help me control my mouth because I need His help. I want good things to come out of it. Can you or I tame our tongue? The truth is that we cannot do it without God's help, but with God all things are possible, even the taming of the tongue. For Change Your Words, Change Your Life, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information and insight on how you can change your words and change your life, please visit Joyce Meyer, spelled M-E-Y-E-R, dot O-R-G. The words we speak can affect our lives in positive and negative ways. In her new book, Change Your Words, Change Your Life, best-selling author and internationally acclaimed teacher Joyce Meyer examines the power of words that convey our thoughts and emotions. 
She discusses how our words can increase or decrease our level of joy and how they can have a positive or negative effect on our future. Change Your Words, Change Your Life, the latest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold.